Ready? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Hey, y'all, let's stand together this morning. Let's sing out. Forever rain.
Amen. Woo. We serve a forever God. Amen. Amen. A God who will never change. A God who will never let us down. All the promises God ever made still remain. Amen. Amen. What an awesome God. One other thing that will never change and never let us down. You know, that powerful blood of Jesus that he shed for us on that cross that brought salvation to us. That blood, it'll never lose its power. Amen. It'll never lose its power. Sing this together.
thankful for the blood of Jesus, say amen. Yeah. Amen. Turn around and greet somebody with a holy wave. Don't be touching on them, right? But wave at somebody, let them know you love them, and you're, we're glad you're here. Go ahead and be seated if you will. Wow, my heart is so full. I'm so excited to be back in the house of the Lord. I don't know if y'all feel like I do. I feel like a little boy on Christmas morning to get to be back in church. Amen. Great to see you and those of you that are watching us. I know people are watching us today from all over the place. A friend of mine I went to school with watching from New York City. Some of my peeps down in Warner Robins, Georgia, watching today. They're familiar with our guest preacher and wanted to be here, but we're still kind of in that weird social distancing and all that stuff going on. But it's going to be a great day in the house of the Lord. If you look inside your worship guide, there's a little connect card. We'd love to know that you're here. We'd love to connect with you. If you are a member of Airline Baptist Church, just put your name on there, unless you've had a change in address, email, or something like that. If you're a guest for the very first time, my wife and I would love to meet you right back here in this corner over here after the service just to greet you and say hello, get to know you. We've got a little gift we'd like to give you to thank you for being with us. If you have prayer requests, you can put those on the back, and our staff is honored to pray over your prayer requests on Sunday mornings. Well, this is a step towards getting back to, to normal. We still don't have nursery life group and all those things. I thought I took a Zantac. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, hey, we're, but it's going to be a great day in the house, Lord. You are going to be blessed. How many of you have never heard my brother Algernon Tennyson? Well, you've never heard? Bro oh, my goodness. Y'all just fasten your seat. But I learned something about my brother. I've known him 15 or 20 years. He's spoken at the last two churches I served. But that brother should be up here with a microphone. I didn't know you could sing like that, Algernon. Wow, he's blessing my heart. You're going to be blessed. He's the president, founder of Awaken International, a ministry that touches all over the place. He's one of our favorite speakers of our students up at Truett McConnell University. Got a beautiful wife and two little boys. I'm sure he'll tell you about them. But as I told you, with all of the unrest going on in the world today, I said, Lord, show me somebody that can speak to these issues far better than I can. I can tell you what the Bible says, but I've never walked in the shoes that my brother has had, has had to walk in and still has to walk in at times. A story you share with me about your little boy and Toys R Us, I can't, I can't shake that out of my mind, brother. God bless you. We're so glad he's here today. Now listen, he has been off the road because church has been canceled for like three or four months. We want to be a blessing to him. At the end of the service, we'll be receiving a love offering as you go out. There'll be one plate on one side for your regular tithes and offerings. The plate on the other side will say love offering for Algernon. We want to help this brother get caught up from all that he's missed. Amen. I want to challenge, are there 20 people that will give at least 100 bucks to invest in my brother? 20 people to do at least that. If you can't do that, you do whatever the Lord would lay on your heart. He has a product table back here. We asked him to bring that today because I wanted one of these shirts. I didn't have one. I've already bought my shirt before y'all got them. It says chocolate, white chocolate caramel, we're all one. If you've ever heard him speak, you know what that means. Amen. And he will share with you about that, so I will wear my shirt proudly. There are so many hurting people, not only in the world and the unrest in the world today, but right here in our church family. We've been praying for a little boy, a local little boy, four years old, named Lachlan, had a liver transplant it did not take, and his dad is serving our country in Korea, wasn't able to get back. That little boy went to heaven yesterday. You pray for that hurting family. Their last name is Divine. So many people in our own church, Miss Joyce Ballman, Brother Hayward, so many others, but Patty Elliott is here today, and she has just had such a difficult time, had a heart stint and other things, and she's in so much pain. She asked if we would have special prayer for her today, and I told her we would be honored to do that. This is what family does. Normally, we come hug you and lay hands on you, but do you feel like coming down here, Miss Patty, or not? 
time. If some of you, maybe some of you ladies, I know my wife worked with her for the county, if some of you ladies would just come stand around her. Maybe she don't want everybody touching her, but uh, I just thought it'd be good to have some of our ladies come and stand around Miss Patty as we pray. How awesome to see Miss Shirley, one of our sisters who had the COVID, and she's all well and back in the house of the Lord, has been for some time now. We serve a God who heals, amen? But Miss Patty's probably dealing with fibromyalgia. Some of you know how difficult that, that is. I've never had to experience that. But we want to pray for her and so many that are hurting right now. Okay, pray with me, church. Father, mm, just to be able to call you, Father, what a blessing that is. Lord, and nobody like me, that you reached down your nail-scarred hand, you rescued me, you adopted me into your eternal family, and you let me call you my Abba, Father. Because of that precious blood that we sang about earlier, Lord Jesus, thank you that we can come boldly before your throne of grace. And Lord, we do pray for so many hurting all over the world, Lord, the unrest of the pandemic, the hatred that we see towards different ethnicities and people groups. God, we know the answer. It's not a government program. It's not anything else. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. So, God, we pray for a worldwide revival. May you spark it and strike that match even in Airline Baptist Church today. God, we do pray for the divine family and the loss of their little boy. And specifically right now, we pray for our sister, Miss Patty. God, we thank you so much for her sweet spirit, for her love for you, Lord. I know her heart is to be here every time these doors are open, but physically, she can't always do that. God, if she has her appointment this week, I pray you'd give her doctors answers. But most of all, Lord Jesus, you're the great physician. I pray you just reach down and touch this dear lady, even today, Lord Jesus, even now, Lord Jesus. Take away that pain and suffering, and I know this sweet lady well enough to know she'll give you all the glory for that. So thank you for letting us be in your house today and to worship you. Thank you for my brother Algernon. God, how I love him, how I can't wait to hear what you're going to say through him as he comes in just a few moments to break open the bread of life. We look forward to what you're going to do. I pray we'd all leave here changed and more like Jesus because we worship together today. And I pray for those watching online, Lord, supernaturally, let them experience somehow what we're experiencing in this place today. And that's the presence of your sweet Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus, thanking you. Amen and amen. amen. Thank you, ladies, for coming and encouraging sweet Miss Patty. Let's worship some more, y'all. Amen. You know what? Like I told, I think I told y'all last week, since we've been uh, involved in this thing, we've had uh, a lot of attacks. Just, just, just Satan, not wanting anything to work. And uh, <laughs> this morning's no different, y'all. We got uh, got a few little technical things going on back here. I think we're good. We'll be done. We'll be good in a minute, I think. But uh, you know, it's just always that way, isn't it? When when something's going good, when God's at work. Satan doesn't like it. Satan's not happy. So he throws little darts at us all the time, doesn't he? In my, I know in my personal life that's what happens all the time. It's just, uh, you can count on it. You got, a, you got a good day planned and you know that, you know, it's just, just a, a good, good day of things that are just going to be honoring. And, and if God's got any, you know, if, he's, if there's going to be some glory gotten, Satan starts working, doing little things. Flat tire. You ever had that? Yeah? What was it? Uh, old pastor friend of mine you say if you if you don't want Satan to get your goat don't tell him where it's tied up <laughs> well that that thing that you say boy I hope it don't blank that today it's gonna happen I hope I don't run into so-and-so today first person you see but anyway 
God's going to be honored and God's going to be glorified in what's going on this morning, all right? Taylor, you got it, babe? That's my youngest son. I can call him babe. You good? We'll find out, he said. All right, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, we're going to praise God anyway, all right? Love this. What a beautiful name. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high.
Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey, um, buckle up. We're going to have some church this morning, okay? Um, let me go ahead and relax you. I am not here to hammer white people, okay? Um, I, I, my wife and I have been married 17 years. Uh, my wife is Caucasian, and we have adopted two little boys. If some of you have heard of a, a lady named Judy Sartain. She is like an angel sent from heaven. Um, she lives in this part of Georgia. She was responsible in helping my wife and I adopt our two little boys. Um, my oldest is now, he's now seven. There ain't nothing. Spencer, where you at, man? There ain't nothing like a little black baby with a little afro. Oh, he was, I can say this. He was ghetto-licious. Uh, he was born, he's like a little chocolate marshmallow. And my second son was the cutest little white baby boy you've ever seen. That's right. He's my little snowflake. So I have an invested interest in, in, in all cultures. So before we even dig into the Word, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and go with me to Colossians chapter 3. I have to talk about some things first. In light of what's going on, we the church <laughs> better realize that this, this, we better not fight it the way the world does. I have people, and my family's probably going to hear this, but I have people I know that are close to me, maybe even some relatives, that are mad at me for some statements I've made lately. Because before anything, I am a child of God, okay? Yes, I'm a black man, and I want, I want there to be justice. I, I want the same equality as anyone else. But at the end of the day, I'm a child of God, and I can't let ethnicity or emotions or hormones or anything direct what I do. Hold on, Pastor. Don't clap because y'all going to get me excited. I'm trying to get y'all out of here in time to eat. Listen, the, there's a passage in the Bible. It's my favorite scripture. It's Romans 13, 8. It says, owe no man anything except to love him. Paul had just finished talking about government and how we should submit to government, but his, his attitude and his tone changed. All of a sudden, he went from submit to the government, they're, they're of the Lord, and then he just stops and he's got this weird space in here in the middle of Romans 13 where he just, it almost seems like he got frustrated and Paul just got to the point where he said look the only right a Christian has is to love people oh no man anything but to love them it never said he had to be a Republican a Democrat black white Christian atheist Muslim Paul just got to a place where he said look your job isn't to try and be God he's pretty good at that your job is to just owe no man anything but to love him and let God be the judge of all things. So even if you're here this morning, you don't like me because God's made me beautifully chocolate. I don't have a mandate to hate you back. And this is what's got me in trouble with quote unquote people in my community. They said, what do you think about that cop? I said, first of all, Christians don't believe in karma. Christians believe in grace and mercy. I pray the judicial system handles him. And when he's in prison, I said this statement, and it's got me in a lot of trouble. I said, I'd love to be the one to share the gospel with him. <laughs> and you'd have thought I sold out. I've been called Uncle Tom and everything else. It ain't new. I'm a child of God. I don't get to pick and choose who hears the word of God. Everybody's worthy of hearing the gospel. So yes, that white man needs to hear the gospel. And I love, because if the God, no one filled with the Holy Spirit is taking life. So our battle's not only against flesh and blood, but there's spiritual forces too. 
Nobody filled with the Holy Spirit is hating someone because if you believe in God, you realize I didn't create myself. I can repent if I wronged you, but I can never apologize for being a black man. I didn't have any choice in that. Like you didn't have any choice in being white. Jesus didn't talk with you before you were born. You were born the exact culture, ethnicity, race, whatever you want to call it that he wanted you to be. So I'm not repenting of that. But my job is to love you. So even if you hate me, I have to love you. That brings more attention to the gospel. It's easy to love those who like me, but to love that fool who, can't, who hates me, now that's going to bring some, some attention to Jesus because I can't do that in my flesh. This is the kind of hand I would be laying if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. So yes, I have no choice to not let my emotions and anger and things trump the gospel. So if you call yourself a believer in here, even other white people should think you're weird. Because there's no box they can put you in because you belong to Jesus. And you realize we all come from the same mother and father. And I'm not talking about Abraham and Sarah. I'm talking about Adam and Eve. So if you're a Christian, you believe from these two come every human being on the planet. And the only way for me to show God that I love him is by me loving you. Christ is not physically here in front of me, but you are. So I don't care what you think about me. You may feel like you owe me nothing. I feel like I owe you everything because you are my avenue to the heart of God. He's given me everything. And so you're not going to dictate how I treat you. He is. I'm going to say it again. You will never dictate how I treat you. Christ will. And if that makes me an outcast of white people, black people, Republicans, Democrats, then so be it. I'm okay with the title, redeemed, son of God, saved, child of the king, because that's all I am. And once you really meet Jesus, he changes everything. Because I didn't grow up this way. I grew up bitter, hateful, disliking white people. <laughs> and God changed all of that when Jesus came into my life. I'm telling you, once you meet God, he changes everything. So yeah, I'm not walking around here hateful. Yeah, some people don't get me. I get it. If you're not a Christian, I get that you think I'm a weirdo. Because we teach an eye for an eye. Someone gets you, get back at them. Only Christians are taught to love their enemies. While all these other people are rioting and being angry and violence, hate for hate will never cure anything. The Bible says love conquers all. It's hard, though, to walk in love. It's hard. That's why when people say Christians are wimp, we know you're not one. It's a lot harder for me to want revenge than for me to show mercy. Revenge comes easy. But to forgive someone who's hateful towards you, discriminates towards you, that's not natural to love those people. It takes the Holy Spirit in my heart to help me do that. So my message today isn't going to be about whites and black people loving each other. It's going to be about white and black people loving Jesus. Because if you can get a right understanding of who Jesus is, then you can't harbor any hate in your heart. You can never harbor hate in your heart when you get a right understanding of who Jesus is and what he's forgiving you of. Then it doesn't matter who people are. Klansmen, hateful, racist, dirty cop, dirty citizen, cheapful, whatever. You can still look past their behavior and go, man, they just need to meet the Lord. 
Apostle Paul killed Christians too before he became a follower. And I don't see any of us screaming that he can't be saved. David was an adulterer. I don't see anyone here saying, well, David wasn't a Christian. Did horrible things and God changed his life. Paul did horrible things. And then when he met Jesus, the true God, it changed everything. So this is where I'm going to go this morning. Okay? Because there's no philosophical way to do this. Oprah's tried, Ellen tried, Dr. Phil's tried. <laughs> there's no way for you to naturally get people to fully accept each other. Now they're throwing the word tolerance back out. We need to tolerate each other. And I told my wife, the Lord convicted me and said, where's that at in the scriptures? The Bible told me to love my neighbor. He told me to tolerate no white man. He told me to love him. Tolerate? Where is that? Because tolerance is based on you. That means you get to determine how much you can tolerate. But when you're a Christian, God says to love. Well, how, what if they keep messing up? He says, forgive them 70 times 7. That means for, do it again and again and again and again. People are going to exhaust you in the name of Jesus. But that's what brings all the attention to him. I don't get to pick and choose. And I know that makes me very unpopular right now because I'm not telling you whoever you elect for president, the next mayor, the next governor, they are never going to change people's hearts. Only Jesus can change a man and a woman's heart. No natural law is going to make us love each other. It may make us not harm each other because there's consequences, jail, time, all fines, but it ain't going to really make you love me. There may be a white man out there who won't hurt me because it's called a hate crime, but he doesn't love me. He doesn't really want to bless me. He just doesn't want to hurt me because he'll get in trouble. See, Jesus, had, Jesus has called me for something far deeper than that. He's called me to love you, not tolerate you. He's called me to love you. And that's not based on you. That's based on him. You can reject it, but that's all you're going to get from me. So spew your poison, spew your hatred, whoever it may be out there, but you won't get it in return from me. Because I know who, who I am, and I know who my father is, and I know what it cost him. Salvation is a free gift from the Lord. And I say this all the time, but intimacy is not. Salvation is a free gift from the Lord, but intimacy is not. God did all the lifting to save you, but the ability in which you grow with him, your love for him, that, the, no, nowhere in the Bible does it say he's given you a gift to love him. He says he's giving you a gift of faith and all this, but never to love him. He says, I will reward those who diligently seek after me. So God says, I'll do all the heavy lifting and save you, but the depth of our relationship, that's on you. How much do you really want to know me, the one who saved you? So he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So I'm trying to know God. I'm really not that spiritual. It's really not that you're that awesome. It's that he's that awesome. <laughs> so I'm loving you because I want to love him, not because I'm just such a loving guy. I'm loving you because I want to love him. Because he told Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. God will, it's, pastor, hear me on this and you can run me out of here. It's horrible theology to say, I love God, but I hate people. That is some jacked up theology. I know who's teaching you the Bible. Woo, I love Jesus, but I hate my coworkers. You ever hear people say that and they think they're being spiritual? Man, I really love the Lord, but I just can't stand half the people in my church. Then you don't love Jesus. You can't love God apart from loving people, and you can't love people apart from loving God. You just can't. So if you got your Bibles, let's go. Colossians chapter 3. Let me set Colossians up. Epaphras is his name. I can't pronounce it right. He was a, he was a disciple of Paul. He had planted this church. But there began to be false teachings and all kinds of bad practices in the church. <laughs> We're having the same problem today. 
the problem we're having with all the hatred in the world is a lot of Christians have bad theology. <laughs> People may go, well, but there's, the, there's division and there's racism, there's reverse discrimination. Those are all symptoms. Those aren't the real issue. The Bible would say the real issue is pride. People can say a guy's racist, but the Bible would say, no, he's just prideful because pride is thinking you're better than someone. Racism's one of the symptoms, but his real sin is pride. So if you've got wrong theology, you're not going to know how to handle these issues right. So we're still having this problem today because there are a lot of Christians out here that are adding to the chaos and they're not a part of the resolution. So if your theology isn't right, you're not going to know how to handle people properly. So we're still dealing with the same thing the Colossian church was. Bad theology crept into the church. And it caused all kinds of um, discord and, and all kinds of frictions and things that Paul was saying should not be there. So don't let someone tell you all that matters is we love Jesus. Ask, ask married people if all that matters is love. Love is great, but you better pay them bills. Love is great, but y'all got to eat. Can't just be staring in each other's eyes all day. Who's going to pay the bills? Pastor, am I not telling the truth? I know we got some newlyweds. Hey, Chase. Oh, mwah, 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 mwah. <laughs> hey, baby. That's great. And that's wonderful. But at some point, y'all got to get real. Got to figure out we're going to get a house, pay the bills. Can't just sit around staring at each other's eyes. You're going to be homeless. <laughs> so the Bible even understands that just love isn't enough. Because when people say that, they're talking about the emotional side of love. Because love goes way beyond um, emotions. That's why a lot of people jump ship on each other. Because I don't care how long you've been married. At some point, you're going to want to get away from your spouse. Y'all can say whatever. Y'all know it's the truth. My wife just had girls night this week. People are like, but Brother Al, the wonderful thing about the quarantine, you've been home with your wife and children. I'm like, for 14 straight weeks, 24-7, my wife's like, you need to get up out of here. Go preach, do something. I'm serious. She's like, I love you. I don't love you that much. She went and had girl night last night. She need to get away from me. I'm an evangelist. I got to preach to somebody. <laughs> All that love stuff's great. She's like, I love you, but I want to go hang out with my girlfriends. She left me with them two boys. See you later. That's just being real. So Paul understood it can't just be that you are excited for Jesus. You better have some right theology. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It's talking about putting on the new self. He goes, if then you have been raised with Christ. Christ was raised from the dead. He's saying to them, you're not who you used to be. If, if you've truly experienced Christ and you have been raised with Christ, you weren't just drowning. We were dead in our sin. He was saying, if you've truly been raised with Christ, so he's making it a theological issue because they had all these different cultures and the Jews and the Gentiles, they were bringing all of their secular cultures into the church. So Paul knew, I can't make this just about race and ethnicity. I got to, if they all say they're believers, I got to make this about the scriptures because <laughs> that's the one thing we all have to agree on. We can still disagree on how we were raised, things we were taught as whites and blacks, but if we all call ourselves children of God, we better see these scriptures apply to all of us, black, white, Latin, and Asian. 
We can disagree on other things. This is why we got to be united in this. The only thing that's going to cure our culture right now is the church, the scriptures. We have the answer, but we better not be out there hating the way they are. I don't expect you, if you're an unbeliever, to get this. I'm talking to the church right now. Why are you mad at unbelievers for acting like unbelievers? I'm talking about people say they've been in church their whole life, and they're still out here spewing all this hatred. Listen to what he says. He goes, then seek the things that are above. <laughs> he goes, if you have really been raised with Christ, then start seeking these things. That's Paul's way of saying bear fruit. <laughs> it's, it, put it this way. It would be like someone saying, I, I'm born again, I'm a Christian now, but you're still mean as mean as you've ever been. You got Romans 8, 28 on all your coffee mugs and bumper stickers, and you're the meanest thing in the workplace. Nobody wants to hear scriptures from you if you're a jerk. Nobody cares how much Bible you know if you're not love anybody. That's counterproductive to the church. You get a lot, bunch of religious people, they'll not love anybody. That's why sometimes it's just the people who are the kindest that sometimes are the greatest soul winners. They're not Robbie, Zachariah, they're not, they're not great apologists. They probably can't really debate you much on faith, but they just love you silly, and it's something about them loving you that makes your heart open up to the gospel. Most of us were not led to the Lord by um, theologians. It was a grandmama, a teacher, a brother, coach, most of us. Very few people had a Christian apologist lead them to Christ. They were just everyday people that we saw Jesus in their lives. Maybe they couldn't quote a hundred scriptures, but we saw it in how they loved. So he goes, man, then start seeking these things. He goes, seek these things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And in verse 2, I love this. Set your minds. I'm here to tell you right now, every sin begins with a thought. We preachers hammer y'all about being in the Word. Stay in the Word, stay in the Word, stay in the Word. Because you will never do anything that you don't think first. I'm going to say it again. You'll never do anything that you don't think first. How do you overcome a stronghold or an addiction? You develop something, a greater stronghold, <laughs> a greater addiction. You don't ever really fully overcome it. You just desire something more. So if you're counseling someone and they got an issue with drugs or inappropriate things, I don't sit there and talk to them about what their struggle is. I talk to them about the things they should be thinking on. Because if I want to change what you're doing, I have to change how you're thinking. Come on, Pastor. Are y'all hearing me? If I want to change what you are doing, I have to change how you are thinking. So what changed me? The gospel. My family taught me certain things that I could get away with in my family and in my culture, but Jesus didn't let me get away with it. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm like, my family will give me high five for this, and Jesus said, oh, that ain't lining up with my scriptures. Some of y'all are the same way. This room filled with this many white people, few blacks and other cultures, I guarantee you, a lot of you got some racist granddaddy, grandmother, uncle, and you sit there and let them spew some of the most horrible things out of their mouth, and you don't challenge them on it. You don't challenge them on it. There are a lot of things. My mother is in glory. 
I led my mom to the Lord, but I had to call my mom out on some things. She would say certain things. I said, Mom, I'm a believer now. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But I can't find that in the scriptures. I know, I know, I know that's what we were taught as black people. But Jesus ain't letting me play that card. I got love people. Sorry, Mom. I love you, but I, Jesus died for me. My mom began to see. There are certain things I guarantee your, your parents and grandparents and people taught you that's just wrong. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. I have a white son. My family knows when we come over for Christmas and Thanksgiving, there are certain things they ain't allowed to say. And ask, I'm serious. I will grab that turkey leg and leave. I ain't gonna leave without getting me some food though. I grab that turkey leg and bounce up out of there with a whole sweet potato pie in my arm. But they ain't fixing to blast certain things around my white son. I don't ever want my white son to think I favor my black one more. I want both my boys to know I'd die for either one of you. And if any white man or black man decides to come at you, that's when they're not gonna see preacher dad, they're gonna see dad, protective dad. And, and pastor, I have no problem going to prison, bro. You can start a prison ministry. Somebody touch my kids, I'm gonna lay some hands on them fools. Y'all know y'all would too, don't act like y'all all that spiritual. Some of y'all looking at me like, how can a preacher say that? You know you'd be the same way. Some of you moms in here, look at y'all, y'all look so sweet and angelic. Mm -hmm. Let somebody touch your children. I have seen women in the church choir ready to jump on people's heads. Mess with their children. She go right from the piano to clawing your eyes out. And y'all know it's true. Y'all know it's just something God has put in us. We're all that, none of us are that spiritual. You want to test how spiritual somebody is? Mess with their ch children. So he was saying, look, we got to set our minds on things that are above. Things that are above, meaning there's no sin, there's no division. He was saying, look, set your mind on your real home is all he's saying. I'm not here to establish some American patriotism. I'm here to help people join a higher citizenship. That has to be the goal of every Christian, no matter what your race is. Jesus trumps all of that. So you gotta set your mind on things greater than this. They're killing themselves over wealth and money and possession and stuff. I'm tired of hearing Christians say, well, at least Trump made the economy well. All we care about is money. That's all we care about. You can be as mischievous and treat people the way you want. As long as we got money, all's good, because that's all Jesus cared about, as long as we got a ton of money. It's got to be more than wealth. It's got to be more than what he's called this church to. For us to have stuff. There are a lot of unbelievers that have stuff. What separates us from them? There are a lot of them that have more stuff than most Christians do, if we're honest. They know how to make money and make stuff. Good luck on you catching up with the guy who owns Amazon and Bill Gates. They got more money than most Christians. But what do we have that they don't? Come on, pastor, they hearing me. We should have something that they don't. Y'all, I am not a rich man, but I feel rich. I lost 90% of my work from March on, the minute they said you can't meet more than 10 people. I have not cried a river to anyone because all they did was take my material stuff away. They could not take away Jesus. God can get me more stuff. 
but he can never give me anything greater than Christ. Come on, man. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Pastor, am I okay with time? Y'all hear me? How can I put this? If you aren't seeking things above, he was saying you're still too worldly. How can you know if you're worldly? Meaning, if you give God ultimatums, like if you say, Lord, I really love you if we can have children. I really love you if you'll end the COVID-19. I really love you if my business will thrive. I really love you if I lost some weight. I really love you if I could quit being single. I really love you if, if, if. The ifs are showing you where your real affections are. Because God can never top Jesus. He can never top Christ. So if you can't muster up any joy with having Christ in your heart, then God knows you're setting whoever your future spouse is. If I could challenge anyone here who's newly married or engaged, I know it sounds sweet when y'all say, you're my world, I can't live without you. You need to run from somebody who says that. It may, it may stroke your ego, but people make for horrible gods. You want to marry somebody, you need to marry someone who's more into God than they are into you. Because, because then you can just be human. Because if they, if they make you God, you got to try and live up to that. And eventually, your true colors are going to come shining through that you can't do what God can do. You can't meet people's every needs. My wife knows she can be human because she was not my first love. Jesus is. So if the house is clean, great. If it's not, it ain't the end of the world. She doesn't complete me. That's a silly Hollywood movie. You want to love people? You better love God because you'll never love your spouse properly and your children properly if Jesus isn't the source of that love. You better be real careful. So if you're still giving God all these ultimatums, I love you if I can get my job back with COVID. I love you if people quit hating on each other. And God's going, I didn't say that with you. I gave you everything I had in Jesus. I didn't give you any compromise in that. I didn't send angels. I gave you the greatest thing I can. Matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 says, while you were yet sinners, he loved you. That means even if even those people who hate God, have y'all ever thought of, oh, Spencer, y'all got to stop me. We're going to have black churches. Y'all check this out. Have y'all ever thought about this? Even people who are atheists can only be atheists because God's allowing them to borrow the very air he created. Oh, I'm not stopping there, y'all. He feeds them every day. He's allowed them to have brains, college degrees, cars, houses, vacations. God's as good as to his enemies as he is his children. What should we be to ours? Even people who, you couldn't even call yourself an atheist if God didn't go, breath. People go, oh, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm going, that's why he's God and we're not. He's crazy over the top patient and loving to where even his enemies can only call themselves enemies because he's letting them breathe the air he created and eat the food he created. Y'all know if we were God, them fools wouldn't be breathing our air, eating our food. Okay, oh, you don't believe in me? Then you make oxygen for yourself. Let me see you make a hamburger out of the air. Come on, Pastor. Y'all know it's true. God is over the top good. And if he can love his enemies, why can't we love people in this world who are doing crazy things right now? If Jesus saw fit to love people even to his last dying breath, even on the cross, he didn't call down angels and say, God, strike my enemies. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the Savior without sin. He never called down damnation and wrath. He says, Lord, I'll take your wrath. Be merciful to them. Even his enemies, he was crying out for mercy. 
So even if people like these people are your enemies, they don't like black people. God would tell me, well, what, how do I, what do I do with my enemies? God tells a Christian to love thy enemies. I know, I know. If there were certain people in this community that could get their hands on me, they hurt me, they're mad at me for saying these things. But I, at the end of the day, I got to answer to the Lord, not to any of you. We are ministers of the gospel. We can't let the fear of people keep us from preaching God's truth, even if it's not popular in the day. It's not popular to think this way, I'm saying. Because everybody out there is fighting. Let's go. Let's some revenge. These cops hurt us. Let's go burn down the state. And God was like, uh, that guy who hurt you, why don't you actually pray for him? Make him a meal. Invite him to church. I don't want you to destroy him and his family. I'd rather you build him up. Those are only Christian principles. You can't think that way apart from God. So if I was a lost man, I'd be down there with them idiot kids looting and doing stupid stuff. And notice when I say that, when I say idiot, I'm not talking about the kid personally because I've been down there. I have talked to the kids. Most of them are just mad. When I say idiot, I mean they're like ignorance. They just don't know. They're not bad people. They need the gospel. That's why I was even down there talking to the looters saying you need Jesus because you'll never, nothing will ever satisfy your revenge. You'll, you will never feel like it's appeased. I asked the kids down there, what do y'all want? What level of justice do you want before y'all will stop? None of them could really answer me. They go, well, we don't know. We just need change. I said, well, come on, tell me about the change. They don't even know how to tell you what the change is. They just want it to stop, and I do too. That's why I was down there, to peacefully protest. I said, but guys, us hurting people, hurt for hurt, ain't going to get us at the table to really listen. But God's love. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never fails. I know it sounds crazy, and I know some of you, I hope black people here ain't mad at me and white people aren't. I know I sound loony, but I believe God works, and the word works. Come on, Pastor, I got to hurry. I'm running out of time. Listen to this. I haven't gotten any very far. For you have died, verse 3, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He was saying, you have died. Your life is no longer yours. It's Christ. Meaning, before I do something spontaneous, I have to ask myself, Lord, if, is this what you would do? What, do the scriptures, are the scriptures okay with this behavior I'm about to do? And if not, I have to put my own hormones under and anger and stuff and go, well, I want to do that, but it would not be honoring to the Lord if I do that. I want to do that, but Lord, there, I can't find anywhere in the scripture that condones me doing that. It would be a lot easier for me to get the black community to love me if I just marched with them, if I was hateful, if I called out all cops and white people. It'd be a lot easier for my life. But at the end of the day, I, they can't show me biblically where I, I can do that. So I have to go, God, I, I understand your anger, but Christ has set me free. And when Christ has set you free, you just see everything differently. Right, y'all? Right, Pastor? Am I wrong, y'all? The few black people in here, y'all call me out if you think I'm wrong. When Christ gets in you, he changes everything. There are many times I want to play the black card, but then I go to the scriptures and God's, I was God in the flesh and I never, I just did the Father's will no matter what it cost me. I love people who couldn't stand me, Algernon. I said, but you're God, Lord, I mean, we're human. And he was saying, that's, that's the exact place God wants to get you this morning. If I can get the worship guys to come on up, come on up. Y'all, this is exactly where the Lord wants to get you right now. He wants to get you to a place where you realize you can't do it. 
That's why he says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. He's saying the same Christ that raised you from the dead is the same Christ that's going to give you the strength to do this. You can't do it on your own. Christ can. That's all he's waiting for us to say is, Lord, we can't fix this. I can't make black and white people fully love each other. I can't make politicians act right. I can't make youth obey their parents. I can't make married people fully love each other. I can't, but you can. You couldn't save yourself either. All God is waiting for the church to say is, you can't fix what's going on in the country right now. I can. I don't care how sweet you are, how moral, I don't care how many marches you do, that's great. But I guarantee you, it won't fix people's heart. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. If it's peaceful, you got a right to do that. But it is still ain't going to cure people's hearts. The same Jesus that raised you from the dead, spiritually speaking, wants to raise them from the dead, spiritually speaking. Then he says this, he goes, when Christ who is your life appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. Put to death all this earthly sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil, de evil desire. But then he goes on down to verse 12. Put on then as chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. I looked that up, Spencer, bearing with one another. You only bear people that you have differences with. So for Jesus to say bear with someone, he's saying you're going to have differences with people. You got to learn to bear with them. You don't bear with people that you got everything in common with. That's not bearing with them. That's having fun. So for him to even say bear one another is his way of saying eventually you're going to cross someone that you don't get along with even in the church. We may all believe in Jesus, but let's be honest, we ain't all inviting each other over to our houses. But we, we may love Jesus, we may love each other, but we may not be close friends. Personalities may be different, but we got to still bear one another. He says, be, show meekness, humility, kindness. Y'all notice, he's talking to a church that's being persecuted at the time. So before y'all get mad at me, so that's different than what we're going through. I would say it's probably worse than what we're going through. And Paul did not give them an excuse. By the way, he wrote a third of his letters from prison. And even in prison, he never, stopped to, he never tried to start a coup. He never said overthrow the government, make them pay. Even in prison, he was writing these beautiful letters saying, love your enemies. Rep, bring glory to God. Honor the Lord. Walk in a manner worthy of God. Even in prison, he didn't say, pray that God sets me free and he kills my enemies. Even in prison, he was challenging the church to bear fruit to show that they belong to God. Apostle Paul may have been in physical chains, church, but he was not in spiritual chains. Spiritual bondage is the greatest bondage a human being can be in. So if we're going to solve today's issues, I'm going to echo what you said. It ain't going to happen through politics. It ain't going to happen through council, city meetings, and town hall meetings. We need to do those things. But ultimately, a Christian has to know God hadn't just called us to like each other. What's it matter if blacks and whites tolerate each other and a bunch of them go to hell? Let's say that. Let's say we finally have this perfect utopia. We all get along. There's no discrimination. Black people and white people see equality with each other. We die without Jesus in our heart. Now, who's shouting hallelujah now? 
Who's shouting hallelujah? So we reached this perfect epiphany that these youth want. Get rid of cops, get rid of hatred, and go, okay, what's it matter if you die and lose your soul, though? So what? We love each other, and our kids can play together, and there's no more racism, no more killing, no, no more bigotry. Oh, that's wonderful. I want that for my children. But more than that, I want my kids to know Jesus. Because one day, even if they live in perfect utopia, it's not going to save their souls. We've got to be about God's business, and that's the gospel. We can't lose sight of that and let Satan pull us into all of this racial division. Because it doesn't matter how much you love me. If you don't know God, my heart's still weeping for you, even if you accept me as a black man. If you're like, hey, man, I'm sorry for what happened. I love you. You're my brother. Thank you for that. But I'm going to turn around and ask you, but do you know Christ? And if you're like, I don't know Jesus, then you're going to still see me weep and still think that we're still, this is still a horrible situation. Even though you accept me as your equal, if you tell me you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to still see me crying. And you're going to go, well, why are you crying? I'm going, this is still sad. You still don't know Christ. So I would rather you know him than always just trying to seek peace with me. Because if you seek him, you'll want peace with me. I love you, church. I'm not here to hammer anyone. So please don't be mad at me. Because if I wasn't a minister of the gospel, I probably would be saying different things. You think I want my family calling me Uncle Tom and people thinking I'm a weirdo? I want people to embrace me and love me. I don't want them to think, well, you're a sellout. No, I'm just sold out to Jesus. And if I didn't know God, y'all hear me. It's hard, though. Y'all are clapping, but I'm here to tell you, I have many nights where I weep going to bed because I want people in, my, in the black community to love me, but not at the expense of selling out my faith. I can't do it. Now, if they can show me biblically where I can hate white people and do all this hateful stuff, but none of them have showed me scripturally where I can do any of that. So I have to respectfully bow out and go, sorry, can't walk with you. I'm down with Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you. I can get far, Lord. <laughs> thank you for the gospel. Only the gospel can fix us. And I will stand on that to my grave. I will not repent to anyone in this room for saying that Jesus is the only hope that black and white people and Asians and Latinos have. We can love and accept each other and do life and not be hateful toward each other. Lord, but it still ain't going to cure the issue of sin in our hearts. Father, may the church realize these are wonderful times to be a Christian. Wonderful times if we have right theology and realize, Lord, that you've made us for times like this. They're all searching for answers. They're hoping it's the next police chief or president or mayor or governor. And the church knows, no, that's not going to fix anything. People's hearts will still be dark. What America needs is a revival in people's hearts to the gospel. They need Jesus in their hearts. And with Jesus in your heart, you can't help but to love his creation. That's not something we should put on Oprah. That's not something we should put on a president. He's, he's, not, he's not the savior of America. He can't, can't bring people to faith. It's not fair to ask any politician to do that. Father, we know that you're greater than. So if there's anyone here this morning, you thought, man, I just, 
I just didn't think I was good enough for God. You're not. Jesus was good enough. That's what makes us good enough. You of all people understand salvation. We're to come to God emotional, moved by salvation. It should sound too good to be true, but it's true in Christ. None of us in here could appease God's wrath, but Jesus did it on our behalf. And if he would lay down himself for us, we should lay down ourselves for our neighbors, black ones, white ones, Hispanic, and, and Asian ones. We should not wait for them to love us or do good to us. May we do good to them only through the power of the Holy Spirit because, Lord, we can't love naturally that way. But, Father, we're asking you to give us strength to do what we can't do if it will bring you glory. Father, help me love that man who hates me because of the way you made me if it will bring you glory. But, Father, I can't do it apart from you. Help the marriages in here who've lost their passion and they can focus on what's going on in the culture and ignore their marriages. Father, I pray that you would rekindle some passion in marriages in here. I pray that people, young people in here who may be struggling with faith, their identity, Father, I pray that you would overwhelm them with your goodness, and it's your goodness that brings us to repentance. Father, last but not least, Lord, I pray for anyone in here who's still troubled, walking in fear, upset about what's going on in our country, but Father, maybe they weren't looking at it through a biblical lens. Maybe there are white people in here who were mad at black people, Mad because they see black lives matter everywhere and they think that we don't care about them. <laughs> Lord, there may be black people in here who, who feel like they've been mistreated and, and unjustly and had racism toward them. And Father, it'd be easy for them to just go that way with hatred and revenge. But Father, I pray that they would realize, Lord, that you gave us your mercy and your kindness. And we are to do that to others, not because they're worthy of it, but because, Lord, you are worthy of it. And it's what you've called us to do to bear witness of you. Father, we love you. I pray, Lord, that if there have been decisions made, Father, that they would come to the pastors afterward and talk to them. Or those families who feel comfortable and they just want to come down to the altar and pray. Pray for God's mercy. Pray for God to, to put a spark and a fire in their hearts as a family, as a, as a couple. Father, may we, the church, not get caught up in the division, but may we be vessels of your gospel and vessels of peace and vessels of hope, no matter what it costs us, Father. May we see you and what you pay for us on the cross, and may that be the thing that gives us courage to stand in a world that just doesn't see it properly. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory, and all of God's people say it. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Thank you for having me this morning.
thankful for them. Proud of how they're raising God. I hadn't heard a peep out of a child in here. So what a blessing. What a blessing. Thank you. I know it's difficult to concentrate when you're making kids behave, but I just wanted you to know how much I appreciated that. Thank you for your faithfulness to honor the Lord with his tithes and our love gifts. There'll be people at the back doors to receive your tithes and offerings to Airline Baptist Church. One of the plates will be marked love offering. You can give cash or a check directly for Pastor Algernon there. You can make your check payable to Airline Baptist Church, and we'll give him one check. You can go on our church webpage in the giving tab. There's a section right there that you can give to Pastor Algernon. Or you can go to his webpage. It's awakenintl.com. You can sign up to get on his mailing list or to give to him directly there. If you came in late, I just got to show you my cool T-shirt one more time because I hope he sells out of these. I'm so pumped about this shirt. It says, Chocolate White Chocolate Caramel 1. Not only is that a cool T-shirt, but you know what I'm praying this is? I'm praying this is a witnessing opportunity. As people see these all over our community, what does that mean? What are you talking about? And then we get to share the gospel with them. So these are tools you're investing in as ministry, yes, but you're also expanding your ministry for the Lord to open doors for you to share your faith uh, with others by doing that. I think that was all that I had. If you're here for the first time, my wife and I would love to meet you right back here and give you a gift. Pastor Mike, you got anything you need to say? Uh, Chase, come and dismiss us. If you got anything else to add, you come and do that, my brother. Okay. That was again one more time for my brother Algernon back Amen. there. Amen. He can bring it. He can bring it. I mean, man, that was good. That was good. So let's pray. We'll be dismissed. And again, go visit him in the back. If you're a first time guest, visit Algernon, and then go visit our pastor over there and get your free gift. And then, of course, Pastor Andrew is in our uh, connections corner over there. So let, let's pray. Father, man, we. we we thank you for being a, a good, good father. God, a God who, who loves us unconditionally, regardless uh, of, of any factors, any kind of labels the world, this sinful world tries to put on us. God, you love us, God, and you call us to something greater. You've called us to unity, Father. You're not a God of chaos. You're not a God of confusion. You're not a God of disorder, but you're a God who loves us in the midst of a sinful world, God, that does sinful things because we're apart from you. Your one desire, God, is that we have a relationship with you. And may we never forget that, God, that you desire to have a relationship with each and every one of us. Be with each and every person today, Father, in this sanctuary, that they will go out. And as is my prayer, I feel like every week, God, that they'll go out and have an impact for your kingdom during this time, God, a time that we may, many don't even know if we're going to make it through, God, but you have a plan. You're on the throne, and you reign supreme, and you'll receive all the credit, the glory, and the honor for it. And the church said, amen. amen. We'll see you back next week, okay? Amen.